Jodi, thank you so much for joining me. I really am very, very excited to have you on Uncover Wealth Radio. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to it. So I know that in my business, when I started to take on more employees and things, leadership was something that I found so incredibly difficult. And it's something that I have had to spend a lot of time kind of learning about. The worst of the worst. I mean, it's like, it's next to like parenting. I think mm. your parenting and any form of leadership are just this, like if you really want to dig into some hardcore personal development work, have children or lead a thing. <laughs> or do them both at the same time. And oh then my goodness. Yeah. yeah. And marriage. I guess I'd put marriage yeah. there too. Those three things are like the crucible of grinding out anything, any work you have left to do, you will have to confront in one or all of those three environments. Completely agree. And so, yeah, I've spent a lot of time, particularly in this last year, really kind of trying to understand who I am as a leader and work on myself in that capacity. But I know that you believe that there are some myths around leadership that are making leadership even harder than it needs to be for us. So, so much harder. So much harder. So I will, I went to hit the, but before I, before yeah. I mention this, I do want to say one thing about why at the core of why I think leadership is so like legitimately yeah. so difficult is because of infinitely long list of places where opposite things are true at the exact mm. same time. Yes. And so just to hit on the one that you just said, because the only way through it is to be able to embrace both of them, because every yeah. time something screws up in your business, it is super important to say, okay, what was my part in this? Did I not lead well? Did I not? I would never, ever, ever halt someone from that kind of exploration. It's super important. And leaders who don't do that are not good leaders. Mm. And at the exact same time, it's not just you. There's another person on the other side of that seesaw. And you can't take every warble in your business and then shift yourself because of that. It's, it's almost like chasing the stock market kind yeah. of thing. Like there's a certain part of it where you have to make some decisions about who you are as a leader which parts are healthy, stick to those and not always be looking to the, the latest crisis to like, you know, cut and snip yourself into some different shape mm. because that's also not the answer. Sometimes that person just brought something to the table that also wasn't healthy. And so it's not always you. And that discernment of how much of this was me, how much of this was somebody else, that discernment between those two truths is really hard, really, really it's hard. So really hard. Yeah. Well, but that, that ties right into the myths. I mean, I think all the myths that I might hit on fall under one mega myth, I mm. think. Like whoever said it's lonely at the top, it was like the worst moment in leadership history that that got written into some stone tablet somewhere <laughs> because yeah. I know why it feels that way because there are many, many legitimate reasons that there are less people you can talk to mm. about things. Mm. You, know, you, you can't go to your employees about your insecurities. You can't go yeah. to your employees about other employees. Like yeah. both, those are bad. Those are bad, 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 bad. You know, there's all sorts of reasons that there are less and less people. You know, you don't necessarily want to talk to your investors about mm. <laughs> like, mm. things not going well. There's just a lot of reasons why there are less people to talk to and an increasing amount of uncertainty. Mm. And that creates this tinier and tinier room where it can feel very lonely. Mm. So I get that. I, I get that it can be it can be lonely at the top, but it shouldn't be. Mm. And so all of these other things that I think kind of fall under it 
are symptoms of this underlying sort of fantasy we have that, that that's okay, that it be lonely at the top. And so, you know, whether you have a leadership team that you're leaning on for certain things, I mean, a great deal of my work is some of it's decision support. Some of it's almost like business therapy, just mm-hmm. to talk through the emotional roller coaster of kind of those discernment issues we just talked about of how much of this is me? How much of this is them? Do I need to change? Are they just the wrong people? Do we have the wrong business model? Is it just the economy? How much of this is the pandemic? I mean, it's it's a lot and you can't necessarily yank your your leadership team around through those emotional things. Mm. So I get that there's less people to talk to. So a couple of the biggest myths, I think, that really get people in trouble. Mm. One of them is, is a perception that leadership is about knowing the answers. Mm. I I will often hear clients want to use our time to figure out all the answers to things so that they can go back and announce to their people what the decision is or or how to handle it. And sometimes I can feel like a a one trick pony or like, or um, I don't know, almost like I'm one of those psychics who, who's pretending to do one thing, but, but it's really, I'm just like working this thing. Cause I have this question that I always ask them. And so often it is the answer. And it's not just to that problem, but many, many of their upcoming problems, like a muscle if they build. And I'll say, well, have you asked your team? Like, mm. how, like have, you, have you talked to your people about what might be a way to handle this? Mm. And often they have not because they feel like they have to have all the answers. And again, opposite things true at the same time. As a leader, you can't not have any answers. Yeah. It's your job to provide some structure or some amount of framework, but it is so powerful to come to the table asking the right questions or surfacing the right questions, getting your team involved. This is the part where it's so interesting. I, I didn't realize at this time, of course, because it was the only place I had ever worked, but I, I grew up professionally, <laughs> my professional childhood right out of college was at a company where they did this very well. They would ask, they would pull us in and ask us to weigh in on like bigger firm direction leadership decisions. And honestly, hysterically at the time, I thought that was because they felt like they needed our advice. And in retrospect, I'm like, oh, you were like growing our capacity to think like Mm. leaders. I was like, oh, they really, they really need our input. Uh, They did not. Um, (laughs) But well, actually that's not entirely true because sometimes the things we could see from our vantage point was really useful to them. They they were like, oh, I didn't realize that person was super Mm. valuable or not super Mm. valuable. We didn't realize that. So we definitely brought some things to the table, but not only did that help them because it distributed the weight of the uncertainty and the, and the confusion, but it also developed us as people who then knew how to think more broadly. Mm. And that's the interesting thing. One of the things I most hear, especially out and about talking to entrepreneurs and leaders of divisions and parts of companies is like frustration that their people aren't thinking the way they need them to think, right? Like, Mm. like, like, oh, I don't, like my people just don't realize that this impacts this. Like, Mm. Like, why are they not using their brains? Why are they just not using their brains? Right, exactly. If they would just think, or they don't care, or there's all these Mm. like suppositions about they're not bringing their A game to the table. And I'm like, well, do they see what it, like, do they, do they know that that's impacting that? Well, well, no, no, no. I'm like, it's it's almost like blindfolding them and then expecting them to like walk across town to another destination and being frustrated that Mm. they couldn't find their way. And like, they don't see what you see. They're not feeling what you feel. 
I get that it feels noble or whatever to be shielding them from mm. uncertainties or fears or problems or barriers or whatever, but you're not doing anyone a service if you're the only person who can see the icebergs yeah. and then you're expecting your people to navigate the yeah. ship and not hit them, right? So, yeah. and again, I always, I know it sometimes can feel confusing. I'm like, except when, <laughs> again, that, that doesn't mean you're, you're walking in and telling them the sky's falling every yeah. five minutes. Cause that also, you know, mm. there's a certain psychological safety, but wrapping more people into the decisions you're trying to make and just asking their thoughts. There's a fear I hear quite often that, well, if I ask them their opinion, then they'll expect their answer to be what I do. Ah, okay. Yeah. And I would really encourage people to let go of that. I'm not saying that won't happen, but especially if you're doing it all the time, if you make it a matter of practice instead of this, I have a teenage daughter and she'll come in and say, do you like the red or the blue? And if I say the blue, she's like, I think I'm going to do the red. Uh, if if that's what you create yeah. with your people, then yeah, I mean, that could be like, why do you even ask me if you're just mm. going to do the opposite? So maybe not that, but mm. wrapping them into the bigger conversations will make it easier on you and, and lighten the load. So- not being afraid to, to wrap people in, which ties into another sort of insecurity that I hear in leadership quite mm -hmm. a lot, which is I'll hear people say, and it's almost like having the answers, but like the action form of feeling like you have to the answers is, well, you know, I know my people are really busy. I, I don't want to, I'm not good at asking for help. Mm. And this one's really, this one kind of makes me even giggle right on a call when somebody says, I don't like asking for help. Yeah. Like if you think about it for a second, like by definition, leadership is basically uh, what it coordinating is. help. That is your job as a leader is to coordinate and channel help. Mm. And if you imagine any, this is the big trap that I think people don't always understand is if you feel like it's all your job mm. to figure out and do, that's not leading, that's being an individual contributor. Mm -hmm. And that has serious limitations. You, mm -hmm. There's there's only so much you can do. Yeah. So that's a huge one. I mean, I, I do want to take a quick pause to mention, you can be shaking your head yes to all these things and saying that makes perfect sense. I 100% agree. I'm not even beginning to pretend that makes it easy to just turn yeah. around and like, from now on, I'll ask for help. Yes, it's like, oh, okay, I'll do that tomorrow. I'll, I'll, right, I'll exactly. Yeah. The place that I see that a really great place to work on that topic, though, I think is anywhere where you feel like there's a hard conversation mm. is sort of stepping back from imagining that's a hard conversation. There's a there's a fantastic book by I think her name is Susan Campbell, where she talks about communication. She says, if, if you are trying to communicate something to someone in a way, either so that they react in a certain way or don't react in a certain way. That is not communication. Yeah. That that's control. That's control. You're, yeah. You know, you're trying to like, if I say it just this way, you'll be really happy or not mm -hmm. be super mad. And that's not possible. I think we have all gone out of our way to like mentally script out a conversation. And yes. I think we all know it never goes that mm -mm. way. So so kind of letting go of that and just speaking to what is and only the part that you know up until the part where you start making assumptions or guesses about mm. their intent or their come from or any part of that. So, you know, I've just noticed that it seems like 
this is what I'm seeing. What do you see? And again, asking that question, it ties back to that feeling like you have to come in and say, well, I've noticed you this way. So clearly you've decided that yes. Bob isn't blah, 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 blah. Well, no, that means that's, not, clear. that's, that's yeah. not what's going on. And the minute you do that, people then feel like you don't understand them and, and you get a very different kind of conversation. So it's a great place to practice. It's like a double whammy of mm. making hard conversations easier and practicing the, I don't have to know the answers mm -hmm. to start a conversation. I can just go in and say, wow, it seems like we're butting heads a lot lately. Have you noticed that? There's a story from my, actually, before I started doing this work, 100% professionally, it was in my, not that I was doing it unprofessionally yeah. before. <laughs> I, know I mean, maybe mean. I was. Before I left my corporate work to only do this work as a business, I had a colleague come in with a two-page legal pad, single-spaced like list of ammunition against someone who worked for him that he was like, she's jumping at me at meetings and she clearly thinks I'm not the right, you know, it's just all oh, this no. stuff. And I said, well, just try this. Like you can take your legal pad in, but like put it on your lap, just tell her what you've noticed and just see what she says. Like give her a chance to weigh in on if she's noticed it, what if she has any thoughts. He came back out like eight minutes later and he was like, I'm so glad I didn't tear into her. He just said, it seems like we're, we're butting heads. And she burst into tears and said, I know I've been meaning to talk to you, and but I just, I feel like such a jerk. And she'd had this like horrible stuff going on in her personal mm. life. She'd gotten married and ever since they moved in together, they were fighting and oh. she was just a wreck. And she said, I know I snapped you and I, I felt so bad. I haven't even been able to talk to you about it. And they had this great conversation and she's like, I'm working through it. I, I promise I'm aware of it. And it was like eight minutes and it was wow. over. And he said, can you imagine what would have mm. happened knowing how she's feeling if I'd gone in there and just torn into her she never would have shared what was really going mm -hmm. on and we never would have had a professional relationship that we could have had going forward and so it's just an easy story of how to just go in and say like hey noticing this thing what do you notice what do you think yeah and, I really like that yeah so that's that's one place because I think avoiding hard conversations mm. like le leaders know that they're in charge of the hard conversations that doesn't make it easier so no, no. And, and they don't they don't well I think they do get easier. I don't think they ever get easy, especially yeah. the really, really hard ones. But even when it comes to like letting someone go, like not being afraid to just be fully honest, which means mm -hmm. not just saying the hard things, but also saying like on the critical side, but also saying like, and this is really hard for us because we, you know, mm -hmm. we, we like you, you know, like, yeah. so I, I think there's, there's some value there. But the other thing I really want to touch on that gets a little, again, it's one of these discernment things is the myth of hustle mm -hmm. um, and just like grinding yourself into the ground yeah. as an entrepreneur or a leader. And, you know, obviously with your show, you know, the value of financial capital. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think what gets overlooked is this like energetic capital. Yeah. And as entrepreneurs, as leaders, again, there's, there's, there's a part of that I would never want to take away, which is this at least low level discontent and want for mm. things to be better and improved. I don't yeah. know that you can be an entrepreneur or a leader without some amount of that, like, I can make this better. I could, yeah. we can do more. We can stretch further. So you have to have that. Yeah, you have to have that element of drive. Yes, yes. Because if you're like, everything's great yeah. the way it is. Yeah. You have to be able to be there sometimes. Like, like to say like, okay, this is a, I think of it sometimes in two ways. In the long term, like you don't just climb Everest, you mm. climb to base camps and you like spend the night and you acclimate and you kind of get there and then you climb again. So taking mm. those 
spurts. In the shorter term though, you know, again, I, in my work, I talk a lot about decision support. And the reason I don't talk about it outwardly in the, like if I met someone at a networking thing mm. as being partly business therapy and whatnot is that in the moment, when you are just spinning your wheels or overwhelmed in a moment, trying to make a decision and mm. you just feel like sometimes you're not even sure which decision you have to make first. It's yeah. just this like blah kind of feeling. It always feels like you have a decision to make. And sometimes you do, because mm -hmm. sometimes, I don't know, I guess my version of I see dead people is when someone's talking to me, <laughs> there's one way it feels if down deep, like they're dragging their feet because down deep, they know it's a bad idea okay, and they're yeah. just not ready to say, I can't do that thing, yeah, or I yeah. need to end this thing, or I need to leave it. So that's one version of indecision. Mm. Like another version of indecision is down deep. I know it's a great idea and I, it's just scary. Like, it is like bone chillingly terrifying to make this leap. And that's a very different kind of situation. But there's a third situation that I don't think anyone ever comes to the call recognizing might be where they are, which is that they are so exhausted or yeah. so depleted, especially this year, this time mm -hmm. in the world. I mm -hmm. don't even think people necessarily feel exhausted. In mm -hmm. fact, sometimes there's this really weird thing I'm seeing now that I've never seen before where people are trying to sort out this cognitive dissonance of mm -hmm. I'm doing less than I ever have. And yet I have less energy or I'm more tired's not even the right words. Like no, I'm sleeping not. like eight hours. It, it, yeah. I don't have the words for it myself. I know exactly what they're talking about. I'm like, it's a really weird feeling we have right now. Mm -hmm. Some friends of mine were saying like, we just feel stupider. <laughs> I feel like I'm less good at everything. Just a little bit, like it takes me a little bit longer to, mm -hmm. to figure. I was laughing yesterday. I had to do this complicated thing to return something I had mm -hmm. ordered, but it was like multiple steps. You had to print three copies. Oh gosh, right here. yeah. And I'm like, I'm smarter than this. But I still can't process this somehow. This shouldn't feel hard. I'm a little yeah. bit worried. But back to the main point here. Mm. Sometimes when someone is, when we're on a call, they're just so depleted that mm. I've often joked, like you couldn't decide between a hamburger and a cheeseburger right mm. now. And while it's well, the last thing that it feels like you could do right now is either rest or take a break or you know, just disconnect even for like an hour or three, yeah. not, you know, it doesn't have to be a week's vacation or whatever. And I'm seeing more and more of this since nobody's getting vacations. Like yeah. even if you say, I'm not going to work for the next week, you're still right there in your house looking yeah. at the same. I mean, nobody is getting that renewal yes. that they normally get even on a daily basis, not to mention mm. an annual basis. And so you know, I say that I don't know why I'm feeling this way, but I'm enough of a neuroscience nerd mm. to know that your brain need, like literally needs downtime mm. in order to be smart. It, it needs alpha waves, which are the relaxation waves to have like a new idea, like an mm. insight to be creative. And so I have often on those calls said, look, you need like, how can you get this right now? Well, I can't go yeah. away in for a month. I'm like, what can you do? Like, we're not going to talk about this issue again yeah. until you've had some until you turn off your phone and go for a walk in the woods or whatever yeah. that might be. Oh, really funny you say walk in the woods. I feel, I loved this story because I felt like it gave me quantitative evidence of exactly what we're talking about. Mm. Back in August, we did a little family vacation kind of thing, but nice. it, it was what I didn't think, what I didn't 
really think through all the way was because we checked into, because we really just went to a, like a remote cabin and did yeah. what we were doing here, but there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we checked in on Monday. We checked out on Friday, you know, check in on three o'clock on Monday. We had to be out mm-hmm. at 10 on Friday. And I'm like, oh, that's not a week. That was yeah. three days. That was, and so it was lovely. It helped a little bit, but I didn't, I didn't reset. Mm-hmm. And so I came back to work on Monday, had calls all day Monday, just wasn't feeling great. Mm-hmm. Tuesday morning, a friend slash client called me and said, Hey, do you, it's, it's first, it's been raining for weeks. It's going to rain for like another two mm. weeks. Do you want to go for a hike today? Nice. And at first I said, I couldn't because mm. in my mind, I'm like, I just took, I've just been off. off. I yeah. need to do all this stuff. Gone for a yeah. week. I've only been back for a day. I have so much to do. I'm mm. overwhelmed. I can't possibly walk out of my house for three mm. hours right now. I just can't. And then he just kept hounding me because he's like, it's going to rain for like another two weeks. I'm like, all right, fine. Yeah. So we went and here's the funny thing that I feel like is evidence because mm. I love taking pictures. I, I take thousands of pictures all the time. And when we got home, I was, we were going for three hours on this hike. Mm. Nice. When, we, when I got home, I looked at my pictures and it was so interesting because the first hour and a half, first half of the hike, there were two pictures and they were so boring because it looked like somebody said, while you're out, you must Make take sure. two pictures of trees. They're <laughs> just like snap, snap. And then about halfway through, I started taking like a few pictures. The last hour of the hike, I took like 80 pictures wow. and they are some of my favorite pictures I've taken for a while. They're super interesting and creative. There's little like things that, you know, just mm. the stuff I love to take pictures of. And, you know, that's not because the last hour of the hike was cooler for us. Yeah, it was more cool. It's not like we got to the good forest in the mm. last hour. And what's really important about it is the remainder of that week, I, like, killed it. Mm. I got more done in the next two or three days than I have got, had gotten done in months. Mm. And I looked at that camera roll and I was like, you know what we're seeing here is the wadded up piece of paper of my brain slowly unfolding back into its natural shape. And the thing that I think is most important about this is I just told you that story and I'm like preaching that talk and I still grind down. And it's, Mm. it comes back to why leadership can't be lonely is you need people around you who will hold up that mirror, you know, to say, let's go on the hike. Yeah. doesn't have to be a me. I mean, it mm. can be a me. I'm that person for some people, but you must make sure that you have people around you that you can not know the answers to things that you can mm. be vulnerable around that will make you take a nap or go for a hike or play hooky mm. for the afternoon. Just And they don't have to, have to be the same person, yeah. but you need people around you who can reflect that back to you. A friend of mine once said, if you owned a golden goose, like a mm. real golden goose that actually laid golden eggs. <laughs> yeah. Would you march it up and down the square in the rain until its feet were bleeding and it was so exhausted it couldn't see straight? No, you wouldn't. <laughs> you wouldn't. You would treat it really well. And and I think what we forget sometimes that as leaders, th- that is what is needed of us. Like we, mm. in those ways, we are that goose and we have to be in our best shape. We have to be rested. We have to be creative. We have to be able to think with our best brain Mm. and our brain needs rest and our brain needs space Mm. and our brain needs a lot of things that feel indulgent, but they are not. They're critical. 
That is such a difficult one for so, so many business owners because so hard. <laughs> and I think I think part of it comes as well from, you know, when we set up our businesses and we start, we are the only person that does all the stuff. And so yes. it feels like we need to do it at that point to actually get things off the ground. And we almost forget that we can come out of that mode when we have support and we have help and we start asking for help more and all those things that actually which that's yeah. what we should be doing and that's what we're designed to do as leaders well and that's that's the thing though that i think is is i mean i often joke about business puberty um, yeah. of like there are all these you are going to over and over and over again need new skills and and things then then the things that got you thus far and it is going to be messy Mm. and awkward and like like you everyone says when, when, when I have um because I work with all different size size mm. companies and when I have somebody who's you know I hear them saying like oh if I, I just like I'm so close as soon as I can hire my first person everything's going to get easier and I'm like it, it is in some ways it, it will except when it's not <laughs> because yeah. because every solution comes with its own new set of problems but 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 that's not and I would say, if you can't embrace that and enjoy like, ooh, mm. we have, you know, new then like maybe being a leader isn't yeah. for you because that's never not going to be the, hack, the case. But but my team and I joke sometimes like, oh, look, we have new problems. We mm. This must be progress. Yeah, Because <laughs> exactly. at least we're not just having the same old problems over and over again. So this must be, this must be this progress. Is a good thing. Yeah. Right. Because every single thing is going to feel hard. Mm. So, so what I, the way I navigated in my own brain, in case you can't tell, I'm a big metaphor person, so I make sense of the world. I think of, and I don't know if this is true for shorter or taller people than I am, but I'm like roughly 5'4". Okay, me too, so we're good. Okay, okay, so you will understand the story. When I walk out into the ocean, mm. the, the the place where the, the waves break the hardest mm. is usually right around, like when I'm deep enough in that it's right around sort of my mid trunk yeah. thigh. Like if I stand there, I will mm. get knocked over. Like, yes. <laughs> like that's where they're the hardest. And mm. it's right at the place where I can't. Now, maybe if I was six feet tall, it'd be mm. more like my knees and yeah, I'd be so able to handle that. Yeah. Right. But at my height, I have to make a decision to either push through Good. so I can get out into the big, mm. swooshy, soft jump waves, or I have to back up mm. to where those waves breaking aren't going to topple me over. Yeah. And I think over and over again, you need to have ways in your business cycle to be like, oh, I'm at I'm at one of those transition places. I either need to push through or back up a little bit. And both are fine. I've had clients intentionally decide to shrink the size of their business because they grew it. And then they're like, this isn't fun anymore. I don't mm. want to be in charge of 50 people. I, I mm. had more fun and I made more money. You probably see this. I do. Yeah. More revenue does not mean more profit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, completely. And that's something we work on all the time with clients. Exactly that. Right. Because if, if you're not yeah. having fun and you're not making more profit, what's the point? Yes, there are easier ways to, mm. <laughs> to make that much money. Um, you know, because people say, like, I want to grow. And I'm like, do, do you want to grow? Like, do you want more? Like, growth and profit are often the opposite thing. Mm. So, like, make sure you're asking the right question about mm. where you're going. But that's that's the whole, I and mean, it's probably, I mean, you, it, probably why you love having this podcast and doing mm. the work that you do is that dissection of, you know, someone has an issue. You're like, okay, let's pull that apart a little bit and dig apart because that may or may not be the right question. And yeah. that's why going it alone 
is not the, you need people who can pick apart the problem as you can see it and help you get down to that like root cause issue. Cause if you're putting your time into the wrong problem, oh, that's a special kind of hell. <laughs> it, it is. Cause you don't get any further forward whatsoever as well. No, no. And you spend a bunch of time working on it. Then you're like, there, we did it. And nothing gets better. And yeah. that's just sad. <laughs> yeah. It is. It is for sure. I love those. Any more um, leadership myths that you I, have? I think you? those are the big They're ones. They're the big ones. Yeah. Those are really the big ones that I yeah. find get repeated over and over mm. and over again. Um, and sense. I, and I do think the one I sort of, I don't normally talk about, but that I, I like that we wove in there is mm. just being very cautious of um, the, the part of trying to figure out what's going on with your folks that, that, that delves over into assigning intent. Mm. Like the minute you are assuming intent, you are making every bit of fixing the problem harder until you've yeah. enrolled them in that conversation and gotten there, them to be participating in the conversation with you about what's going on and helping solve the problem. If you're having the conversation in a way that feels like you're sitting, whether you are or not, mm. if you the, the feeling of it, of like we're sitting across from the table and I'm telling you what's wrong and then you yeah. have to, almost like you're scolding a child or something, mm. that's rarely going to help as much as if you even metaphorically you're imagine that you're, yeah, side by side mm. and you're like working on a jigsaw puzzle. Mm. You wouldn't be like, this is a jigsaw puzzle. Like I'm telling you a bunch of things <laughs> and then expect you to respond. You'd both be kind of looking for the corner pieces and mm. like, oh, here's a few straight pieces. Let's like, you'd be solving the puzzle together mm. and coming at it that way will untangle your issues in your company a thousand times faster than feeling like you're the person, like the parent who's telling them yeah. what's what. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> makes so much sense. Yeah. That makes so much sense to me. So Jody, you touched on kind of energetic capital. Yeah. Um, what is it? Why, why, why do we need to know about it? As a yeah, leader? yeah. So energetic capital I, is in the same way you have this, I think of it like a tank really. Mm. And and this, yeah. this, this tank that you have of, of available, fuel and energy and and it, it ties in both like physical energy as well as emotions versus mental mental space it's it's mm. several different things but they all show up as energy like whether you're physically tired whether you're emotionally drained or distracted i mean so much of leadership is emotional yes I don't think anyone wants to really pretend that that it is, you know, they're like, mm -hmm. I got this. It's like, they pretend it's all science and math yeah. and spreadsheets. Oh. And it's so emotional. I mean, mm -hmm. anyone who's ever lost like their favorite employee that they were like mm -hmm. business in love with, that they're like, we're going to get yeah. married and have business babies. And it's going to yes. be like, we're going to be together forever. And then they leave you. Yeah. It's hard to not have abandonment issues out. You're like, Oh my it God, is, is that yeah. person? Yeah. It's like, there's so much emotion. And so, I don't think we realize how much that drains that mm. capital from the tank. And so in the same way, you keep an eye on cash flow and mm. reserves because you yeah. know that if those things run out, you got a problem, you got a problem. Not that you can't be in debt, yeah. but you can't be in debt and always losing money all mm. the time. And it's just, there's yes. a, the reason I like attaching capital, the concept mm. of capital yes. to emotions and energy is that it trues up the perspective that people have that isn't accurate, but people almost imagine that their energy is infinite and that yes. their emotions can just keep taking a blunt force 
trauma to the chin over and over and like, I can hack it. I can, and you actually can't. There's a fascinating sleep study from many, many years ago that make it super short. They took two test groups and they, they both slept a good amount for some Mm -hmm. period of time. And then they broke them into two groups and one group had to stay up for 36 hours straight. The other group, I know, right? The other group just had to switch from like seven to eight hours of sleep to just simply six hours of sleep okay. a night, which I think for a lot of people, you're like six hours. Like, that sounds that's, pretty that's, good. That's yeah. still a good amount. It's not <laughs> yeah. like four. Yeah. Um, and that was for like 10 days or something. And okay. the fascinating thing is, is two part. They did cognitive testing before mm. and after they switched them into the two groups. Mm. The cognitive decline in their testing was pretty much close to the same. There was as much cognitive decline in being up for 36 hours as there was to just suddenly for 10 days, only getting six hours sleep. Now that's not to say one day of six hours sleep or three Mm. days is going to like, you know, screw you up, but 10 straight days of only six hours had almost as right around the same amount of cognitive decline. So that's interesting enough. Mm. The part that I find most interesting and why I like applying some amount of like math or science to someone's Mm. perspective of what's possible with their energy depletion is that the people who'd been up for 36 hours knew they were a mess. They're like, I'm not sure I should drive home. Like I'm pretty groggy. They were, they knew they were out of it for 10 days. It only had six hours of sleep. They reported almost no awareness mm. of having less, less capacity for the cognition that they needed. And that to me is the scary part as an entrepreneur mm. that you can deplete yourself. You can be running on fumes and not even be aware of the fact that you're showing up at work with like 15 or 20 less IQ points than yeah. you could be. And that I don't know about you, but like, I can't, I can't do that. Like, like I need all my points and you yeah. know, all my neurons firing. And so you're actually putting the, I like upping the ante a little bit of taking it out of this column of like something noble that you're doing. Mm. Like, oh, I'm burning the candle at both ends. Yeah. I'm super busy. Actually, you're abusing your company mm. and you're neglecting it. And you're, it's a really foolish stupid, not honorable thing to do of being running at half mast mentally. And interestingly, we were talking a few minutes ago about this time that we're in. So just to kind of wrap, Mm -hmm. years ago, I read about a thing where people who are in the constant stress of poverty, you know, food Mm -hmm. insecurity and housing insecurity, and just always that constant low grade stress that never, ever goes away, even for like 10 minutes. Mm that that cognitive decline is like Mm. 20 IQ points just simply from the constant stress. And I have to wonder, I haven't seen this anywhere Mm. published, but I suspect that what many, many people are feeling in this time is very similar. The fact that like everything feels like a little bit stressful Mm -hmm. constantly. I suspect that we're all feeling a little, and what that says to me is it's all the more important that we take those hikes yeah. Or pause and take a nap or mm. take an afternoon off and disconnect, like whatever fills you up, fills that capital mm. tank back up without judgment. Like, I don't care if it's play Minecraft or, you know, yeah. or something really embarrassing. You don't want to tell anybody else, like watching yeah. stupid Hallmark movies. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Fill that tank back up. You have a responsibility as a leader to keep mm. your tank above the E mark. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fascinating because there is no way I would attempt to, you know, for example, 
go on a call with the client if I'd been up for 30 hours. Right, but I, right. But I, would but I would happily do it if I'd had a six hours sleep for 10 days. Yeah, like, yeah. So, I mean, that's just, and you'd think you were great (laughs) yeah I would think I was fine like I wouldn't have an issue I mean I've got small children I feel like I've had less than six hours sleep for the last five years exactly (laughs) but you know that's just completely fascinating to me that actually that has that impact like you say we're actually doing our business a disservice if we're turning up every day thinking we're okay when actually we're clearly severely depleted in that situation. Yeah, because you're not even aware of it. You're not even cognizant of the effect that it's having on you. And so that's why we just have to be ever more vigilant Mm. about noticing where, and and the way, the way I do it is I've, I've, over the years, I've started to notice when, um, I mean, I'll be honest, one thing that I keep an eye out for, and it's part of why I agreed to the hike, not just because he was handing me about the rain, but, um, I've noticed that when it seems like I can't possibly mm, take a break, that like the there's, yeah, like yeah. if I feel like, oh my God, there's like eight tsunamis at me coming mm. from 12 different areas. I'm like, that's not sustainable. I mm. can't fight my way through all, like I need to, at the very least, pause, take stock, decide what can wait, what can't. Like mm. I need to get some grounding before I forge into that battle because mm. I can't do all that depleted. I just can't. And, and I do actually, I, I, uh, I framed two of the pictures from that hike that I did and I put them up here where I can see them. Cause that's also my own little trigger of Mm. like, are you, are you interested in the things? I mean, this sounds terrible, but I've noticed that there have been times in my business where like someone will send me a referral Mm. for someone like for something that's like right in my sweet spot, not Mm -hmm. like a referral for something I used to do or whatever. Mm -hmm. And if I'm like, Oh, yeah. I'm like, Oh, I'm tired. Like I'm tired at like a bone weary kind of tired. If it's almost Mm -hmm. the way actually, um, you know, if you think about, I guess, I guess it's sort of like business depression because Mm. one of the things that they say to watch out for in the mental health world for depression is when things that would normally bring you joy don't feel interesting to you. That kind of apathy. Yes. Where you're like, ugh, normally I like that, but I don't even care about that Mm. right now. Those are the things to, I mean, and much like hydration, I I think the really, Mm. once it feels that way, like once you feel thirsty, you're already way dehydrated. If you get to those points where like, you know, that client that you normally would have been thrilled to hear from you're like, "Mm." blah, you are, you super need to deal with it. Ideally Mm. you catch those things before they get to that point. Mm. Ideally you just take enough breaks that you're always feeling like revved up and excited, but it's a particular focus right now. I think that's extra Mm. needed. Yeah, absolutely. And how do we notice whether our leadership team and our employees have this energetic capital depletion as well? Because I think as a leader, that's going to be so important too ever more now than ever. Mm. I mean, I have, I even started talking about this in like, you know, March and April and May. And I still like, I don't think anybody can remember it. And and I have to keep remembering it because Mm. I sort of predictively started saying, FYI, they're not going to come in and say, gosh, I'm really feeling depleted and and worried about so many things in my life right now that I don't feel like I'm at my top notch best. It's not going to look like that. No. Going to look like, again, I I pull a lot of parenting metaphors Mm. in the same way that when my children were toddlers, when they threw a fit, 
Mm. Like you don't necessarily address the fit. Yeah, you know yeah. that if they're if they're throwing a fit, they're probably hungry yeah. or tired. Yeah. Or they need their pants changed. Or like they just need a cuddle. They need a cuddle. Yeah. They just need it. Mm. Like when they're being when you most want to like throttle them with your bare hands, mm. they probably need a hug and a snuggle on the couch while you watch yeah. a movie or something. Like in that way, I think people are going to be short tempered mm. or like, or falling down on like, or not, you know, missing meetings they've never yeah. missed before. Like there's going to be a lot of air quotes, bad behavior mm -hmm. that may not be bad behavior. It may just be that people are not their best right now mm. and they're doing the best they can, but it's messy and not yeah. great. But that does not mean is like, none of these things are binary. That doesn't mm. mean that because this is a challenging time because your employees might be run down that you need to just yeah. you know, unilaterally accept all bad behavior because people mm. are having a rough time. No, because yeah. that is then abusive. That's asking the business mm. to take the hit of all mm. these. You can't abandon the employees for the business and mm. you can't abandon the business for the individuals who work for you. you have, it's your job to, to balance both and meet the needs of both. And that mm. is tricky. That is yeah. hard. But again, just having those conversations like, Hey, I've noticed you've been missing some mm. meetings and yeah. What's um, going on with you? What's How going are on? You? Cause, mm. Yeah. Cause if you dig into it, um, sometimes you might find like, Oh, well, it's just that both my kids have a break around like 10. And so when I'm trying to get on a 10 30 meeting, mm. they've like come up to talk to me and I don't want to tell them just go away. Yeah. And you're like, okay, great. Let's not have, let's not have that. Let's, let's have that meeting. At 11. 11. Yeah. <laughs> like, like a lot of times, I mean, that sounds like so overly simple, but I can't tell you how many times that if you can just give permissive space, like, mm it's okay that we're having this problem. Mm. Let's just talk about what's at the root of it and see if it's something that we can get to the bottom of. Yeah. Whereas, you know, and frankly, these people don't tend to be my clients, but I have heard people in other conversations immediately make the assumption, well, that person's just using the fact that they get to work from home and they're eating mm. bonbons, watching soap operas. I'm like, maybe that's, that's true, yeah. but I don't think so. Like, yeah. and, if, and if you really do have someone who would use this time to do zero work, like then they and, probably shouldn't be on your team anyway. Yeah. But, but I, what I do know for a fact is that your, your entire workforce is not like, you may have mm -hmm. a bad egg, but most people are just trying to do their best and it's hard sometimes. So yeah. to your question of how do you notice, I don't know if you can know if they're depleted, but I think what's important is just in that point where you're approaching assuming intent or what's cause or what's causing a thing, mm. just weave that in as a, as part of what might be going on. Doesn't mean you have to just say like, well, I guess I can't address this because they must just be tired, but it does sort of, I think, swell the empathy around mm. how you can solve a problem together mm -hmm. because it's not, it's not as like they're bad mm -hmm. and have to be dealt with. It's like, yeah. no, they're in a tricky situation and maybe together we can solve it. Mm -hmm. which wow does you just feel how different that feels if you're the employee it's just more empowering for everyone yeah and wow and the loyalty they'll have if you mm. didn't just come in and jump down their throat and you helped them solve a problem so that they can be better for the company you get mm. what you need they get what they need the company gets what it needs mm. there's so much power there yeah, absolutely. And it's, and it's easier because you don't yeah. have to like figure it all out and try to decide what carrot or stick will motivate mm. them. Like, who knows? 
And it, and it helps your own stress levels too, because you're not angry and annoyed at them. Yes. Yes. Oh, that is a, that is talk about business therapy. There's a number of mm. calls I have where I'm like, talk me off the ledge. Cause right now I just want to like throttle <laughs> everyone. And we kind of got to get down to like, well, you know, do, do, mm. you know, is this warranted anger? Cause if so, there's a thing to like get down to. And sometimes yeah. you're just being petty and that's okay too. You're a human. You get to be petty sometimes, mm. but you got to work, but that's yours to work through <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. versus like a change they need to make. So. Yeah, absolutely. So We've spoken as well about decision support and you kind of mentioned decision support. So what tips can you share with us to make that process less daunting? One thing that I will, one distinction I will make is decision support is 10 times more important for people who tend to be verbal processors. Mm. Like for instance, my husband, not a verbal processor. He simply does not need to talk things through to get to the other side of an answer. And in fact, I had my very first assistant make this, like as we worked together and figured Mm. things out, I had her uh, begin the beginnings and it's been added to sense of this like Karen feeding of Jody Hume. Mm. (laughs) Like if you're gonna like, here's what works, here's what doesn't, like don't Mm. forget this because like, because I'm a specifically shaped human and this Mm. is where I'll forget. And this is where, what works for me, whatever. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that she added that I never would have thought to add, Mm. it was actually a real challenge she and I had at at the beginning is I would start talking. I mean, I would have an idea. I'm like, oh, okay, I want her to, I want her to do this. And it had just been in my head until that point in my head, I thought it was all flushed out and fully baked. And (laughs) you're laughing. You're like, I know this. this. Yeah, I know know it's going to, I know the moral of the story. I know the punchline. So I would go in the next day, be like, all right, here's what I want us to do. And I would start talking and she would start writing. And as I talked, I'd be like, oh, no, wait. <laughs> yeah, I need to do that, but we need to sort that and hang right, on this thing over here. And, great idea. Like before yeah. we do that, we have to like da 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 da. Uh, and I would see her pause and she would sort of like close her eyes and mm. clench her fist. And, and we, as we talked about that going on, it was super frustrating to her that she was already writing. And mm. then I changed it because for her to like rewrite it or, or then her notes mm. didn't make sense. And it was hard for her to implement the things yes. that I said, because I had to talk it through. So she yeah. added to the list, like, let Jody talk a while before you start writing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just jot down basics, but don't feel like you're trying to like transcribe Mm. a step by step because that's not like she's not there yet. Give her to talk it through. So if you are someone who needs to talk things through to get to the end of a thing, Mm. then whatever it is, you have to have that place. And so whether it's this is why I offer peer groups that Mm. so people can talk things through together. Obviously, that's a huge part of my my one on one Mm. work. Yeah. but there are lots of ways to get that. It can be mm. a friend. Some people can do it by themselves, just sitting in a room talking. Yes. I, I can't, I just need at least some human. They don't even have to mm. say anything. That's the yeah. weird part. <laughs> like... I'm the same, we'll have discussions. And my husband will say to me, do you want me to, are you talking to me or are you? And I'm like, no, just no, sit there. I'm, talk- I'm just talking, it's fine. <laughs> right. Like, okay it's okay to be a verbal processor. Mm. Like if that feels, I know some people feel some like weird, I don't know, shame is a bit of too strong of a word, yeah. but whatever kind of like low grade shame is, they're like embarrassed that they have to talk a thing through to get yeah, to the Yeah, I end. think people sometimes feel like they must be like not stupid either, but they feel like, does this mean, you know, are people going to think I'm daft having to speak this through? That story I was telling about my first assistant, mm. it made me feel like I felt flaky or something. Yes. Like I felt, yeah. she, because she 
that's how it felt to her mm. and that I was all over the place and that I was mm. just changing my mind. So you have to find some way, some ways and places that you can process the way you need to process. Mm. And this feels ever more important now since I think with people working remotely, mm. I, they may not even notice that what they're missing is that like accidental verbal processing that you have randomly with other people mm. because it just happened and you didn't even know it was there. I think a lot of the things that we are missing and mourning and almost like vitamin deficiencies on mm. in the world were invisible to us. Mm. And so we don't even know that that's what we're missing. So even if you have sort of a vague feeling of something's not working, it might be that you need more verbal processing time. And so try it, find someone to like talk mm. things through with and see if it helps. Yeah, that's a great, great tip. Jodi, this discussion has been absolutely fascinating. I have absolutely loved every single minute. I feel like we could talk for another four hours. Probably. I might fall asleep at that point. So Jodi, why don't you tell everyone where they can find out a bit more about you and where they sure. can come and connect with you? Yeah, I put I put a couple different things on one page to make it really easy. So if you right. go to feedingclarity.com. Uh, there's two main things there that I would point you to. One is you can get a link to the podcast I have each week where right. we tell a story, usually not a business story. Um, one of us with my co-host just tells a really great story. Sometimes it's a business story. And then from there, we bring it back to the real behind the scenes kind of what it's really like to run a business, mm -hmm. the honest, real, sometimes very messy the stories that we hear, the trends that we're seeing to really touch on, uh, because we really don't want it to be lonely at the top. Mm. And that was both of our ways of wanting to really expand that community of people who like, you know, really hear what it's really like. So yeah. you can find that link there. The other thing is something I'm only offering to people who listen to these shows that I do interviews on sure. because I'm beta testing something mm. right now. I, I do this work of decision support and having a place for conversations to go with a really small number of people. That's just right. always been my business model. Mm. Um, and then I have groups and whatnot, but sure. I am beta testing more of a, just like almost a phone a friend model oh. where, where people could have access to somebody. It's not this big, heavy thing of like, I'm going to hire a person mm. who's going to be a monthly commitment. You know, yes. it's this light touch. Like I have a thing I need to talk to and I don't have someone to talk th it through mm. with. So on there, there's a link for a 20 minute call with me. Nice. Two things I want to be super clear about. It is not a sales call. Mm. In fact, I literally will not discuss <laughs> working with you on that call. If that's something that interests you, that will have to be a separate, separate call. call. This is a cleanly mm. free <laughs> 20 mm. minutes. I hate those like bait and switch. Nice. Yeah. So this is just 20 minutes, um, 20 to 30 minutes to just talk a thing through. If you find it helpful, all I ask in return is just like a couple sentences about what is helpful about that, because we're building this beta test model of how could we offer this in a really mm. light touch, accessible as needed on call way. Mm. And so, but I, so as not to get overwhelmed, I am only offering that to people sure. who hear these shows for now. So makes sense. Awesome. Jenny, we will pop all the links in the show notes so everyone can have the links to that. So um, yeah, we'll get all that out to everyone as well. Um, like I say, it's been absolutely fascinating. I have absolutely loved talking to you. So thank you so much again for coming on Uncover Wealth Radio. And uh, we'll speak very soon, I'm sure. Thanks for having me. Take care. Bye. Bye. 
So I hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you do like what I share, please do come and subscribe to the podcast, perhaps even leave a review so that other people can find this podcast as well and benefit from everything that I am sharing. Also, if you enjoyed, I would love if you want to take a screenshot of this episode, share it out onto your social media platforms. If you do, please, please do tag me. I'm Annette underscore Fergs on both Twitter and Instagram. So if you tag me, I can come along, give you a follow, give you a like and some love over there as well. Until next time.